0: welcome to nct answers a podcast from in-depth studies that examines theological issues from a new covenant theology perspective i'm your host paul honeycutt joined as always by jeff oaker today's question is how do we view social justice in the new covenant era
1: yeah that is a uh... V- controversial and current subject today um, in our discussions about the church you know is the local church is it is there an obligation from scripture that we are to going out to transform the ills of the world right um yes yeah, i think it's a, the issue is as simple as that and our perspective at up studies is no that's not part of the church's marching orders. Now, in order to say that, we need to address certain things in Scripture, right. which which is only fair. One way we, we can start with in our discussion is Matthew chapter 25, the famous uh, parable of the sheep and the goats. And this is very helpful. Uh, so starting at verse 31, just to pick up some context on this one. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Now, typically, the discussion is on this portion of the parable when you stop right there, Mm -hmm. which is really um, not helpful because you need to go all the way through. Then the Lord, of course, uh, in the parable It says, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply. This is the point. Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Now, the key phrase is these brothers and sisters, these brothers of mine, depending on your translation. And the idea is he's talking about scripture never dresses the world as God's brothers. That's never done. And so we are, It's he's only talking about, of course, in context, Israel is the picture of the people of God and then the real people of God. So in the new covenant era, this side of Pentecost, we're talking about the church is all those who, are, who embrace Christ as their Lord and Savior. These are our brothers and sisters. So what he's talking about, he's talking about this caring for people, which is, we all agree, which is the evidence that you're a believer, having a new heart, that you're other person-centered, you love others. Well, but he's talking in terms of fellow believers. And this is something that uh, isn't always addressed. That there is an obligation to believers to the church, but it's first of all it's to care for fellow believers if they're in prison you go visit if you know if they're in need you provide for their needs now typically at this point you know verses are typically quoted from Israel under the Mosaic law the Mosaic law about you know caring for uh, in effect, a social service sort of approach to meeting needs. Now, we don't disagree with that because Israel is a physical picture. It is a nation, a physical nation that has been put there by God to illustrate that he's going to have a people that function as a nation that are his forever. But Israel is this course, we, we call this this temporary, unbelieving picture of the people of God, and it's absolutely true because they're a it's a physical nation. Therefore, the Mosaic Law reflects the govern, governing laws for all aspects of the nation, social services also, and we know we have the tithe to support the Levites, and, and then. The Levites take a a tenth of the tithe to support the priesthood, all of that stuff. But what we do note is that there is no obligation of Israel to care for folks outside of the boundaries of Israel. That is very interesting, is that the obligation within the Mosaic Law to care for one another is all within Israel, Mm -hmm. And, of course, we would say today, if we were going to even try to bring that over, which I'm not sure you can, but if you were trying to, all you'd be saying is, within the church, we need to care for fellow believers. Well, and, of course, everybody agrees with that, no, that I'm aware of. Nobody disagrees with that priority of what you're supposed to do. So, if you go to Israel as your model for social justice, it proves as we would say it proves too much mm-hmm. because there Israel's a picture of the people of God, so therefore you're only caring uh, you're only
0: obligated to care for fellow believers would we say that's true here in the uh, in the New covenant because here he says in the, the, the passage we just read in Matthew where he says uh, you know that that uh, you know, whoever did did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Yes. So is it being, are we to think of, of social justice, good deeds, whatever, however you want to phrase it, as exclusively to either the people of Israel in the picture, or the church alone in the New Covenant era? Or is there an aspect where we are to go out to the world and do good stuff? No, there, okay, now...
1: That, that's a very good point, because now we want to address the issue, are we called to be a hard-hearted group of people and mm-hmm. not care for the needs of the world? And my answer is, well, no, 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 no. We are called to be on the Sermon on the Mount, salt and light. And of course, I would say the Sermon on the Mount is a sort of preview of what it's like to live in the real kingdom, mm-hmm. a spiritual kingdom. So he's talking about, in effect, the new covenant era, you know it's a, it's a sneak preview so let's read Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 through 16 Jesus says you are the salt of the earth but if, if the salty loses its salty if the salt loses its saltiness how can it be made salty again it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot you are the light of the world A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, the idea, I think, of the salt and light sort of principle, if we're going to talk in those terms, is that as believers, you have new heart. And, and that is you're a God-lover. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And as a result of that, as a believer, you will just naturally care. And so, e- in, and therefore, in whatever sphere of society you find yourself, whether your job, your, your government, it doesn't make any difference. What, wherever you find yourself, you are going to be seek to uh, speak to it with Jesus Christ as your Lord in a manner that honors him okay so that and of course that means if we're going shopping at the grocery store we will do it in a manner that we glorify the king because we're commanded in first Corinthians 10 31 to whatever you do do it all for the glory of God so that means that if you own a company you're going to manage that company in a way that glorifies God if you're a believer if you're a manager of people, you're going to manage them in a way that glorifies God. If whatever you do, if you have a, um, you know, you're selling water and you have a water route in a truck, you're going to do it in a manner that glorifies God. So, as a believer, you're going to stand out wherever you are. Now, once we've said that, what will God do with your testimony of seeking to glorify Him with whatever your hand touches? Well, we don't know what he's going to do with it. Sometimes we're faithful and he brings about great change in society. Like William Wilberforce in England in the 1800s where they outlawed slavery mm-hmm. in the in the British Empire, which is wonderful. But some other times you're faithful and nothing happens. Because we have no control over the results of our living for the king. We, God controls all of that. But, so... When we talk about believers in the world, we're talking about being salt and light and affecting society for the glory of God. We do. But that's different than talk about marching orders for the church. That's mm-hmm. a different deal. Because we recognize even as we get into society as individuals being salt and light, we always have to remember that there that the transformation of the world, the physical world doesn't happen until after the second coming. Mm-hmm when we have a new heavens, new earth, and, we, and believers have glorified bodies for all eternity. So that's what has happened. So we are under no illusion when we care for people, feed the hungry, whatever. We are under no illusion that we're going to resolve the issue. We care for people who are hurting just because we're believers. That's just what we do. And believers, that's how believers walk through the world that way. But that's, um, yeah, so it's important to understand that distinction, that believers with a new heart, yeah, we just care, but we also have a, we carry with us a realistic understanding of the world, that the world, that whatever I do, quote, good, could be reversed at any moment, um... But, that's, but that in, in a sense, that's okay, because we're going to do what we should do no matter what. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so you have that aspect of a believer's obligation to live before the Lord, remember, or the Ligonier Ministries um, uh, devotional called Table Talk. They always have that little right. section at the bottom each day called Coram Deo, right. living, walking before the face of God. Oh well, that's true. So that's as we go out in the world, we walk before the face of God, we live for him, and we, and we will affect things, whatever we touch, to some degree. We have no idea to what degree, but we do affect that. But that seems to me a different uh, issue than does God give the church marching orders for social justice? I would say no. And of course, then the... Probably, in my opinion, the most glaring place to go in the New Testament on this issue would be Ephesians 6, mm-hmm. where the Apostle Paul addresses the issue of slavery. Right. And at least from where we all live today, probably nothing could be, in a popular sense, more ugly, repugnant mm-hmm. to our senses than slavery. So if... if uh, If social justice was part of the marching orders of the church in the New Covenant era, I mean, this is a classic place for Paul to wax eloquent about this is what we're supposed to do. But he says this in verse 5. He says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart. Obey them not only to win their favor, when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one of you for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. But he doesn't tell the masters, you are doing something immoral, mm-hmm. sinful, that you need to immediately free the slaves. It doesn't say that. Now, this just seems to me, at least, a great illustration that d- drives home the point that social justice, social transformation is not the goal this side of heaven, this side of the second coming. It's not. Right. And uh, because it things can change so radically. I mean, we've seen this in our lifetime, Paul. You know, in the 80s, you had the year of the Bible, the year of the evangelical, and you kind of think, oh, we're ushering in a whole new era. And, of course, things have radically shifted. So now, you know, the whole homosexuality thing, the transgender deal, Mm -hmm. you know, all of this stuff is is in our face now that we're trying to sort out and live with. Mm well but that's that is the very nature of of social change politics uh, the abortion issue mm-hmm. i think abortion is murder but you know things can somehow look like we're going in a good direction then that could be reversed very easily right you know you know in america the next person who's president could could be someone very different mm-hmm. uh, from the left and they could overturn all sorts of things and right. that's where we are so the idea is if you're just putting all your eggs, I mean, if you're just getting so invested of social justice, it is like a black hole that can consume you because mm-hmm. it's never going to be
0: enough, no matter what you do. And, you know, two, two thoughts come to mind. One is that it, I think, unfortunately, a lot of these, and, and I, because I'm old, I can make this statement, I guess, younger younger people, younger evangelicals and so forth that have been caught up in and, and swayed by this whole push and emphasis on social justice, you know, fixing the world, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Uh, it's idealistic in, in some regards. It's, I think, as you said, poorly reasoned when they sort of misuse or, or, or take out of context certain scriptures, whether mm-hmm. Old Testament or new even. But uh, the, the, the thought always comes back to me that what these people need isn't a free sandwich or a meal or, or even a bed. They need the gospel. Yes. So, how do we tie together, or how do we view the whole idea of social justice with evangelism, with that well, great commission?
1: I, well, I think there is where uh, example uh, where Christianity historically has gone. There is a great emphasis on teaching people to read hmm. because you can't, if you can't read, you can't read Scripture.
0: Right.
1: Ah, so so therefore that becomes uh, a necessary precursor. To in the missions is that we have to teach you to read, but it's always for the purpose of this is necessary in order to hear the gospel to under to read God's word. So it's just like feeding the the uh, the hungry. If someone's so hungry, they're not going to be able to listen. Mm-hmm. So you feed them, but your concern is your primary concern is the gospel. The secondary concern. Is the physical well being. Right. If once you lose track of that in the history of modern evangelicalism, is that we get off track and end up in what we call um, a situation where you end up, your ministry is just feeding the poor and that's ultimately all you do. Well, that's never going to go away. Jesus says that you always have the poor with right. you. So that's an issue that it just can consume you. But no, we feed, you know, we can only do so much, but we feed in order to get a hearing to give the gospel. Uh, we provide hospitals to care for people to give the gospel. We, you know, so that's the idea. We teach reading, literacy to folks in order to give the gospel so they can read scripture. Right. So, but it's very much tied to giving the gospel out in right. God's word. Uh, but when it gets stripped of that, then it 's just quote caring that 's all it is then it'll just it'll consume you in your time and resources and that and that 's all it will do and it'll just take everything you have and then some right so I think that's why you 've got to be careful that you don't fall into the trap of example, you have uh we have homeless shelters, I mean you have Christian groups that and some do very good jobs, but the idea of you come to the homeless place and they're gonna feed you a meal, but they want you to hear the gospel before they feed you the meal. You can't you can't complain about that to them because they know that's their primary concern is right. that to do this. Or if you if you're homeless and, and they're going to put you in some sort of a shelter, you have to agree to certain rules that you're going to go look for a job, you're going to do this. And if you don't want to do that, then this shelter is not for you. Right. Well, you're just so rebellious. Yeah, our role, we cannot save people who do not want to be saved. <laughs> I mean, that is just that may not sound very politically correct, but that's true. You cannot save a person who wants to be saved. It's, now, this is sort of a side thing. Uh, I know I'm kind of moving off in a rabbit trail at this point. That's all right. But it's like in in schools, public schools, you have kids who just don't want to learn. Well, you, somehow we feel that we are morally obligated to do whatever we can. They've got to learn. My answer is no. If they don't want to fulfill by the rules, then, then school's not for them. Right.
0: And we end up dumbing down the cl- the whole class to try to... Appeal. Yeah, win over
1: that one person who right. doesn't want to be there.
0: Right, exactly.
1: Right. So, this is a good s- subject to discuss within the confines of Scripture. To be, you know, to to really get to get a much more reasoned approach to what we do.
0: And yet, because uh, when we were back reading in, in Matthew twenty-five, the emphasis I think is always primary in in the New Testament writings, at least that when it talks about doing these good things, et cetera, it's always first and foremost to the church. Yes. To those inside our family of believers. Doesn't mean we shun those outside. No. But our primary, it's sort of like in your own immediate family. Yes. You're going to care for your sons and daughters and grandsons and granddaughters more so than you're going to care for your neighbors' sons or daughters or whatever. That's just how it works. But within the family of believers, that's, that should be our marching order.
1: Right. Yeah, that really is. I mean, we do care for each other. It's like the Apostle Paul and his missionary journeys. He, as he shared the gospel, started churches, then he collected funds to help out the believers in Judea because there was great economic right. hardship going on at that period of time. They needed help. He wasn't collecting money for everybody in Palestine. Mm-mm. You know, it's not, He's not doing a UNICEF collection. Right. Now there's nothing wrong with UNICEF. You want to collect people, collect money to help people out in the world in general. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that, but that's not our emphasis, right. because unbelievers are not going to care for the believers. Mm-hmm. We will, and so therefore, our as you said, our primary emphasis is to you know be good to them, and especially those uh, of the household
0: of faith. Right and this, we don't have a lot of time left, but one other topic to just touch on, the, the area of hospitality. You know, if we're spending all of our time inviting unbelieving, whatever, co-workers, neighbors, whatever, over, and yet we're not investing that same kind of time in hospitality with those in our family of believers, then we've got a problem there as well, I think. I mean, there's nothing wrong with wanting to get to know your neighbors and, and spend time with them, but again, if it's, if it's for the purpose of ultimately sharing the gospel, And the Christian, you know, Christian, your Christian life with them, then you're just wasting time. Yeah, we always need to remember. I think just that we are our role as
1: ambassadors for Jesus Christ. So we're here on behalf of the King for a limited period of time to do, you know, to promote His kingdom, Mm -hmm. and we can't ever forget that because sometimes it's. And we understand we can all forget this temporarily. That you you just want to you enjoy doing something for the sake of doing something you forget why you're doing it, mm-hmm. the purpose, and reaching out to the neighbors, inviting them in is a great thing to do. But if you need to look for opportunities, ways to get in the gospel, some way without you know obviously being unkind or you know being rough, r- r- running roughshod over them. But if they don't hear it, then they're 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 lost for all eternity. Right. So you just have to keep that always at the forefront of our thinking as we care for others. Because there is the ultimate concern is their eternal well-being. That's always there. The current meeting of needs you know, must be understood in light of their eternal need. Right. I think that's the issue.
0: Exactly. Well, if you have any questions regarding today's topic or... Uh, suggestions for other topics you'd like us to discuss, please let us know. You can visit our website, ids.org, or if you'd like, you can contact Jeff directly at... My
1: cell phone number is 480-313-8558, and my email address is volker.jeff at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.